0: Father, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity. Lord, thank you for a, a, a time to come together corporately for word time. And Lord, I just pray that you would just uh, enlighten us and and give us uh, just a complete understanding of your holy scriptures. We thank you and we praise you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Glory be to God. Okay, um, we're going to hit a little subject tonight. And then on next week, we're going to, uh, on Sunday, I'm going to begin a series series. Uh, Entitled Do You Really Care? Do You Really Care? And we're going to delve into what it means as a believer uh, to to process and understand uh, what it means to care for other people. Uh, so many times we are off base and as in, in most churches, you know, we, we think of caring as if somebody gets sick, you bring them food and that type of thing. And those things are are, are good. But what we wanna do is look at the scripture and what the scripture says how we show care. Uh, to those who are in need, amen? And so on on that following Wednesday, after we'll discuss on Wednesday, we'll have a little discussion, a little bit different setting on Wednesday nights, but it'll it'll challenge us to to go and read and we'll have some discussion time on next Wednesday, okay? So, but tonight, I wanna talk about great faith. Everybody say great faith. Go to the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. And um, we'll begin our reading at verse number one. The Gospel according to St. Luke, um, chapter 17, verse number one. Uh, and the text says, and reading from the New Living Translation, it says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person, then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostles said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. All right? Show us how to increase our faith. Or as the KJV says, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. Amen? So, we're going to talk about great faith tonight. Now, uh, our key thought uh, from this is in, in this, it's on your outline. Our key thought for this study tonight is the greater our level of submission, the greater our faith. Everybody say the greater the level of my submission, the greater my faith. Okay, the greater the level of our submission, the greater our faith. Now, this, this fifth verse is again is what we're cluing in on, but now again, I think it's it's important and it's real, uh, I guess, eye opening when we look at this, uh, this, this request that the apostles made of Jesus. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, you would have thought that they would have said that after maybe seeing Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. You thought that they would have asked that question, Lord, increase our faith when they saw Jesus heal somebody, when they saw him, you know, open blinded eyes or uh, unstopped deaf ears. They would have said, Lord, increase our faith. Um, but, but when you look at the text here, we see they asked Jesus to increase their faith after he told them and shared with them. He said, if, if, a, if a person trespass against you, if a person wrongs you seven times in a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. They said, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> I mean, when you really think about it, I would have thought that when he fed, you know, when he when he did the miracles, uh, when he when when they when the the boy who had the demons were brought to him and 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 they couldn't cast them out, they would have said it then, Lord, increase our faith. But they said it when Jesus told them, if somebody comes to you seven times in a day and asks you to forgive them, you forgive them, they say, Lord, increase our faith. Now. What we got to understand is these, these apostles and these followers of Christ were coming out of Judaism. They were coming out from under the law. As a matter of fact, when you, when you look at it contextually and from a theological standpoint, Jesus actually operated under the old covenant. The new covenant could not be established until his death, burial and resurrection. Y'all understand that, Right. So in actuality, he was operating under the under the old covenant, but he's showing them the, the that the old covenant was sort of like the schoolmaster to bring us up to the point of grace on the new covenant. Are you with me today? So so these, these guys you know, lived under the law, and they were accustomed to responding to an offense. When somebody offended them, they were accustomed to, 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 to responding to an offense with the mindset of an eye for an eye and a two for a two. You do me bad, I'm going to do you bad. If you do me wrong, I'm going to get you back. Hello, how many of y'all came up that way? Okay, how many of y'all came up where, you know, if somebody did you wrong or did you bad, you you were, you, you may not have got them right that day, but you, you marked it down on your calendar. Oh, I'm going to get you back. You, you ain't going to see me coming. You ain't going to know what hit you when it hit you. <laughs> they grew up under that mindset. And so now when Jesus tells them, look back at the text, verse 4 says, even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. And they say, Lord, look, we, we need some faith to do this. Lord, increase our faith. Now, uh one of the things I think I think is important for us to, to look at this principles in, in, that 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 are parlayed in this particular passage here and some things that, 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 I want you to understand three, three major points that you have on your outline here. And, but, but I want you to realize that there is a connection between faith and obedience to authority. You know, we were talking about spiritual authority and accountability, but there's a connection between faith and obedience to authority. There's a connection between faith and obedience to God's words. Can I get a witness? So, so Jesus, when, when, they, when they said, Lord, increase our faith, notice what Jesus says here. Let's go down um, to verse number six. After they said, Lord, increase our faith, notice Jesus gives a parable here. It says what? The Lord answered, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to, the, to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. Okay? He gives uh, he, gives, he gives that, that, that parable. It's, it's, it's synonymous uh, somewhat with what he said over in Mark the chapter. Go to Mark 11, verse number 22 with me right quick. Mark 11, chapter verse number 22. This is one that you guys hear me quote all the time. Uh, but I want you to see this because they were asking him to, to increase their faith. Mark 11 chapter, verse number 22. Hallelujah. Mark 11, 26. says what? Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. Next verse, 23 says what? I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt where? In your heart. Read that last part again, but you must what? Really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Verse number 24 says what? I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. I will submit to you that I believe that a vast majority of Christians, when they pray, don't believe the stuff that they're praying. By that I mean, don't really believe that it is going to come to pass like the Bible says. Now again, what what is one key, what is one Key component to to ensuring that what we're praying for comes to pass. What's the first thing we need to make sure of? Huh? Forgiveness, okay? But say, Doris. Okay? You have forgiveness. We got to make sure that what we're praying lines up with the Word of God. The Word of God is the will of God. Remember on Sunday we said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word became flesh. So the Bible tells me that. If my my prayer lines up with the word of God, then God hears me. He hears me when my my prayer is in connection with his word. In other words, we know God hears us audibly. He knows everything. But when it says he hears us, that means that he acknowledges it. He identifies it as in line with his word. And when he acknowledges it as being in line with his word, then the Bible tells us we have the petition we desire of him when he hears us. All right. So I want to make sure that when I'm praying about anything, that first of all, I search the scripture to make sure that what I'm praying is in direct concert with the word of God. Right. And I got to also make sure that I don't have all against my brother's. Uh, you know, while I'm praying because if I'm not, if I haven't, if I haven't extended forgiveness, then that's going to hinder my prayer life. Can I get a witness? Look at what he says later on down here in verse number, uh, uh, look at what at verse number 25 of that very same chapter. Verse number 25, let's read. But when you are praying first, watch this. It says, but when you are praying first, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now, again, you got to think about this. Many times, a lot of believers, I think, are praying, but they still have grudges against people who they're in relationship with or who they maybe used to be in relationship with. Unforgiveness will hinder your prayers from being answered. Repeat that with me. Say, unforgiveness will stop my prayers from being answered. Look at verse number twenty-six. With me, it says what? Twenty-six. Of that very same chapter, Mark eleven, verse number twenty-six. Let's read it. But uh, it says, "But if you do not forgive, neither will your heaven, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses." So there's a correlation between us forgiving uh, others and God forgiving us our trespasses. Okay. Uh, so, so go with me right quick, if you will. Uh, let's, let's go and look at Romans, the 12th chapter, right quick. Romans, the 12th chapter, okay? So, again, let's go back. Remember, we first, as you go to Romans, the 12th chapter, verse number three, go to Romans 12 and three. When we first start this out, remember, the apostles asked Christ, Christ Jesus, Lord, increase our faith, after hearing that they had to forgive Someone seven times, if they came to him seven times a day and asked forgiveness, they had to forgive him. And they said, we need some help. Lord, increase our faith. You know, one of the things I think that hinders us as a ministry and as, us as an individual is the ability or, or maybe sometimes we dismiss the fact that, that our horizontal relationship with people affects our vertical relationship with God. We, we will even sometimes, as Christians, write people off, hold stuff against them, not extend forgiveness, and, and, and really think we're okay with God. We can come in here and shout, and we can dance and do all that stuff. But God Amen, is watching how we deal with those who we're in relationship with. And usually the people who we have to forgive are those who've hurt us and who have hurt us deeply. And those are you, the people who are in relationship with. If people don't, if you don't know people and they talked about you, don't that don't bother you as much as it will somebody who you know and you're in relationship with, right? I mean, come on. In all honesty, the, the, the guy who's who's marching on the other side with the white supremacists in Charlottesville, Virginia, that ain't fa- affecting you. I mean, there's they, some foul, vile people, but but in actuality, that ain't really affecting you, right? They, they, they can talk about you, they can call you, whatever they want to call your race, but that, that, that doesn't really affect you. But let somebody who you're in relationship with in church, somebody who you're working with, somebody in your own family, someone who you're close to, when they stick that dagger in your heart, man, sometimes that's tough, isn't it? Is, is, is that tough? Come on, y'all talk to me. That's tough sometimes, but, but we have to, as Jesus said here, if they come back to us and ask forgiveness, let's forgive. Because it will affect Jesus and God's ability to forgive us when we don't forgive others. Amen. So look at the text right here right quick. Okay. So uh, the text says here, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul talking. I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves By the faith God has given us, okay? By the faith that God has given us. This, you know, God has given us, the KW says God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Everyone, every born again believer has the same measure of faith. It's what we do with that measure that's gonna determine how far we go in in living a victorious Christian life. Every born again believer has been dealt the measure of faith. Now, but in order for faith to grow, it has to be what? Exercise. If faith is not exercised, it does not grow. And the exercising of our faith has everything to do with us being obedient, amen? It has everything to do with us being obedient to what the word of God says. Now, look, look with me. I said the first thing is there's a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority. Let's go to Matthew, the eighth chapter. There's a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority. Matthew, the eighth chapter, and look at, start reading that verse number seven. Matthew, the eighth chapter, verse number seven. Glory to God. Everybody still with me? Everybody say great faith. How many of y'all want to have great faith? How many of y'all want to have that kind of faith that, that you believe God for, for, for anything? You know, that's where God desires to place us. He wants us in a position to where he can look throughout the earth and find a man or a woman, sister Bonnie, whom he can show himself strong toward. God is looking for a candidate who will believe him and take him at his word. That's all he wants is for us to believe him and take him at his word. Now, I will submit to you that believing him and taking him his word will always be borne out and manifested through obedience to his word. If I say I believe something, but I, my actions do not line up with what I say I believe, I really don't believe it. I'm just telling you something. So anytime you go and look into the book and see a principle, precept, and command, and you say you believe that, but you won't do that, you don't really believe that. I I know what you're saying, and it sounds good in Sunday school while you're talking, discussing the lesson, because all of us get into that, and we can talk, and we can pontificate. But the question is, am I doing this stuff? Hello? Am I doing this stuff, or am I just talking about it? So Jesus said uh, in Matthew, the eighth chapter, let's, let's, let's look at that. Let's get, get into the text, okay? Uh, Matthew, the eighth chapter, verse number seven says, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Verse number eight, let's read. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant, what? Will be healed. Next verse, Let's read. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, what they do it. Next verse, let's read. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Now, let's let's keep moving. Verse 11. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where well, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13, close out. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believe it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Now, let's, let's, let's unpack this just for a minute and see if we can get some things that can, I think can help us in our walk. So the first thing we talk about, we talk about great faith. There's a, we got to realize there's a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority. We see in this passage that Jesus was willing and ready to go to the man's home, but the soldier felt unworthy and begged him not, not to go. He asked Jesus to give the command from where he stood and his servant would be healed. Now this guy this guy has, again, understand this. Uh, look, look at your next bullet point. There were 6,000 soldiers in, in a Roman legion. Within the legion, there were 60 centurions who reported to the legion commander. And each centurion had 100 soldiers under his command. This Roman officer whom Jesus was interfacing with, he communicated to Jesus that he had the respect and submission of his soldiers because he was submitted to his commander. Therefore, he had the backing of the authority of the commander who in turn had the backing of the authority of Rome. Now watch this. Can we we bring it to to modern day terms. You know, some of y'all have served in the military. You understand order and rank. And, and if you worked in a place of employment, you understand order and rank, correct? Let's say, uh, okay, Doris, I'm going to use you. And I, I pick on you quite a bit, but let, let, me, let me pick on you for a second. Now, you you were a principal, correct? And as a principal of your school, you had teachers up under you, correct? But, but you also, you had teachers up under you, teachers, custodians, you know, whoever else that worked at that school. But you also were under authority, right? You had someone who you reported ultimately uh, to the superintendent, who hired you? Know, all of the people upon on it, and then the superintendent was was responsible to the school board. All right. Now all those people understood authority, but now if whenever you made a decision at your school concerning an employee, then you had the authority to do that, and and, and when you said it, it happened because they were under your authority, but you also were under authority. Okay, because ultimately the superintendent was over you. So this soldier is basically saying this. He says, Jesus, I understand because I'm a man under authority. I'm submitted to authority, but also walk in authority. He says, when I say go, soldiers go. When I say come, soldiers come. He understood authority. And so what he said is because I understand authority and because I know you are walking in kingdom authority if you just say a word, just like I say a word, if you say heal, he get healed. Because I understand authority. Because when I say it, it happens. Do's move. Right now, uh, you know, whoever's commanding whatever forces that we have, if that general says, let's go, we got to go in and attack. Then those soldiers go in what? And attack on the word of their commander in chief. Are oh, y'all listening to me? So, so, so so the centurion said, he understood it. He says, he says, oh, Je- Jesus, don't even come to my house. I ain't worthy for you to come to my house. If you just say the word. Now notice Jesus says, I hadn't found this kind of faith in all of Israel. The, 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 the chosen nation has not distributed, has, has not exhibited this kind of faith like this Gentile did. He just said, "Speak a word," and see when God speaks a word, guys. If we uh, if we understand and respect the word of God, we 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 know that God that's the way God does things. He's a creator, right? In the beginning, the God said, "What? Let there be light," and He just spoke a word, and said, "Light came," because the word came from the one in authority. This centurion understood authority, and so as a result, his 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 servant was healed because. He, he was a man under authority. He says, I'm, look, look, look at that last bit of point. In simpler terms, he said, I am under authority, therefore I have authority. So all I have to do is speak a word and those under me respond immediately to my orders. So, so sickness is, is up under Jesus' feet. See, by his stripes we've been healed. So if we speak a word. We can get healed through the word of God, amen? So take, there's a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority, okay? Y'all got that? There's a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority. Jesus was, again, he was willing and ready to go, but the man exhibited his faith by saying, all you gotta do is say a word. And guys, in our own life, we gotta get to the point where we we believe God's word so much that all we gotta do is find the word, quote what the word of God says, and believe that, and watch God move in our life. I want I wanna exhibit, I want God to, I want God to be able to, to use me to walk and do great things because of my belief in his ability to work through me. You remember that passage we quote all the time? that Now, under him, what is it? Is it Ephesians 3 and 20? Can, can we go there right quick? Let's go to Ephesians 3 and 20 from the KJV. Watch, watch it, Ephesians 3 and 20. I think it's where we, we quote all the time. I don't want to mess it up. Ephesians 3 and 20. Talking about great faith. Any of y'all still remember? That's one I remember verse. Ephesians 3, verse number 20. It says what? Now unto him, that is, hey, can we back up? Back up to verse 14. Let's let's get some context. Verse 14. Go, Go to verse 14. For this cause, Paul says, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Let's read on that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17, let's go. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, how? By faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. How many of you are rooted and grounded in love? How many of y'all allowing the love of God, the agape love, to permeate your heart to the point to where you do not allow what people do to cause you to stop loving them? See, here's how you know when you're walking in agape love, when you can love folks who do crazy stuff. When what people do, maybe to you or say about you, does not cause you to stop loving them. Are y'all listening to me? OK, he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. We need a church body that's rooted and grounded in love where people are operating in love. Amen. And in loving people with the love of God. Look at the next verses may may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Uh, and to know, watch this, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the what? fullness of God. Now, now read the next verse. It says what? Now unto him that is what? That is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? To the power that does what? Now, now read again, it now under him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. In other words, it exceed, what God can do in us when we when we yield ourselves to his power goes beyond what we can even imagine or even think. Many many believers I, 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 I'm convinced are actually living beneath their privileges or actually in a position where they're not allowing God to do in them what he wants to do in them or do in us. I believe all of us at some point in time find ourselves not really believing that God can use us to do what God wants to do. We look at Elijah. We look at Moses. We look at Joshua. We look at all those guys. We look at the Apostle Paul and we think they had something more special than what we have. They did not. They were men of like passion like we are except that they walked in faith. Amen? And so if we are willing to, to have a great faith, if we're willing to, be, to obey the word of God as it's presented to us, then we can, we can be a candidate for God to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to what? The power that works in us. Not according to our strength, not according to our financial bank account, not according to how smart we are, but it's according to what? The power, his power, That does what? That works in us. That was what Jesus was communicating in his parable of of how to have great faith. The authority in which we walk is directly proportional to our submission to authority. If you can't submit to authority, then you won't be able to walk in authority as it relates to the things of God. There are many people in the church who, who don't understand this, and as a result, uh, they they fail to to accomplish uh, a, uh, even a third of what they could accomplish if they would learn how to submit to authority and be obedient. Amen. I, I'm convinced that that we leave by the time our lives of uh, are over on this earth, most Christians leave leave miracles on the table. We leave breakthroughs on the table. We leave all kinds of things on the table because we hadn't learned that that submission to authority enables us to walk in authority. Submission to authority enables us to walk in authority. So the first thing is there's a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority. Your faith will not grow and develop if you don't learn how to submit to authority. The authority of God's word, the authority of the structure that God has placed in the earth through the avenue of this institution of the church. When we don't understand that, our faith is hindered. Okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing. Faith increases only when we complete what we're commanded to do. Everybody read it say, say faith increases only when we complete what we are commanded to do. All right? What we're commanded to do. Look, look, go, let's go to Romans, the fourth chapter, verse number 11. Because God will give us something to do. And he'll he'll, he'll prick us in our spirit and, and through the word of God, and and we'll we'll do like Saul. We'll partially obey. We'll do some of it. Come on, we'll do some of it. We'll, we'll do a portion of it, and then have a to feel good about ourselves because we did a portion of it. I mean, yo, come on, and we'll build our own stuff up, and, and and we didn't do the whole command. And God God is waiting on. He's looking for a people who will trust him totally and completely and do exactly what he says. Look at this. Watch this. Watch this. Romans, the fourth chapter, he says, "What circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. OK, so Abraham was declared righteous even before he was circumcised. Circumcised. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant, but but God circumcising is a sign of the covenant. But the Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. That's what the KJV says. Okay, so even before he was circumcised, he was he was declared righteous by God. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith, but have not been circumcised. All right. Now remember, when Paul is writing here to the saints at Rome, what he's doing is he's trying to make sure that that, that he marries or he merges together uh, the old uh, covenant system of Judaism with the new covenant system of grace. Are y'all following me? Because there were some who were still trying to hang on to the old, huh, at, at, to the detriment of processing and walking in the new. So in Romans I tell everybody Romans is one of the books that if you're going to be really doctrinally sound, you as a born again believer need to study and understand the book of Romans. All right. He says that circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of what? Their faith. You're not counted as righteous because you were a natural born Jew is what he's telling them. You're counted righteous because here's what was happening. Those those natural natural born Israelites who were joined, who were born to the Jewish nation thought that they had special privileges because they, they were in the family that God chose to bring the Savior into the earth realm through. So they, in, in a way, they some, many of, not all of them, but many of them had sort of a little spiritual pride thing going on. We God's chosen people. Y'all Gentiles. Y'all ain't got what you have. As a matter of fact, there's a passage that talks about this, uh, uh, even in Corinthians, where it talks about the fact that, uh, the, that the, some of the Jews, and this is in the book of Acts, It's in the book of Acts, in the book, some of the Jews didn't believe the Gentiles had the same experience they had until they heard them speaking in other tongues. They didn't think they had the same Pentecostal experience they had on the day of Pentecost until they heard them speaking in other tongues. Because they thought, as Jews, we're a little bit better than you guys are. Because after all, God chose our nation to bring the saving to the earth. Are y'all See, sometimes people can think they're better than you are, and I trust and believe that nobody here thinks you think you are better than anybody else. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, "Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to." Now, again you know, thank God that we are God's chosen people, that we are the head of the tail, but that doesn't give us any, any room or reason to look down on anybody else. Okay. Y'all with me? So, so, so they had all this going on. And so, so, so Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to get them to understand that, that uh, how, how, how God's old covenant merges with the new. He says, and, and, and since they thought, since, since they, they declared Abraham the, the father of their faith, what he does is he goes back to Abraham whom they are familiar with and who they trust and they believe in. And he, what he tells them is, your father Abraham wasn't, wasn't declared righteous because of the circumcision. He was declared righteous before he was ever circumcised. He was declared righteous because he believed God, not because of the circumcision, just like when we do baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's the first commandment of obedience, what? After you get saved, all right? Everybody say great faith. Look at verse number 12 right quick. Let's let's read it. It says what? And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. Back up to verse 11. It uh, It says this, so Abraham is the spiritual father, watch this, of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. Everybody say Gentiles. They are counted as righteous, what? Because of their faith. Look at the next verse. Let's go. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised. Everybody say Jews. Jews. Natural born Jews. Okay? Uh, But only, watch this, Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. So don't you, don't listen, don't you dare believe that you are righteous because your mom and daddy grew up in the church and you think it just rubbed off on you? Salvation doesn't rub off on you. You got to receive Christ as your personal savior. And what he's telling them is, listen, y'all trust Abraham, he's the father of your faith, but guess what? He says this, But only, he's he's, he's only the father of faith if you have the same kind of faith that Abraham had before he was circumcised. Are y'all getting this? Am I just talking loud? Y'all still with me? Okay, all right. So, so point number two, faith increases only when we complete what we're commanded to do. So, so, so what Paul does in his zeal and his effort to show uh, these uh, Judaizers... That that Abraham was not saved by being circumcised, but he was saved because he believed God. He he, he goes to great length and he begins to, to 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 show them that if what what he said is if I can show you that the person who you revere and you, you respect so much wasn't saved by uh, keep being circumcised, then maybe you'll believe that, that that salvation doesn't come by circumcision, it comes by faith. Amen. Is everybody with me? So Abraham is called the father of our faith. Abraham was childless. Y'all know the story. When, when God appeared to him at the age of 75 and promised that he would have a son through whom his through his through, through, <laughs> a son will be, become the father of many nations. After years of waiting and obedience, Abraham had to promise some Isaac at 100 years old. Y'all know the story how Abraham and Sarah were barren. And uh, so they, you remember they tried to help God out. Uh, who, who was the lady that they brought in? Hagar. Hagar, Hagar had a son named what? Ishmael, Ishmael okay. And so that, that, Hagar and Ishmael was Abraham and, Isaac, and Abraham and Sarah's attempt to fix it up. Instead of letting God fix it. How many of y'all ever tried to fix it yourself? How many of y'all have ever tried to jump in when God has given you a promise and you don't see it coming to pass, you go in and try to do it yourself. And you mess it up. I, I, I need to see the hands of everybody here who's messed it up because you didn't wait on God. Went and got that card, and you couldn't afford it. Just couldn't wait on God to give you the down payment to get the one you needed. But you went on and did it anyhow. You start smelling the new smell. Huh? It looks shining all of a sudden yours when you compare it to the new, when you really didn't need the new, yours starts to look old. And so you jump ahead of God. God said, I don't mind you having it, but I need you to wait until I provide it. But no, we can't wait. Gotta have that car, gotta have those clothes, gotta have this, gotta have that, gotta have that. And then all of a sudden, when we get it, we're under a burden. Because we wouldn't wait on God. All right? We, guys, we got to learn how to wait. So So again, y'all know the story. Go to Genesis 22 right quick. Genesis 22. Look at verse 3. Come on, let's go. Gotta move. Gosh, So they waited. They waited. They waited. They waited. And and God, God, and, and God always, I mean, He's God. He knows everything about us. But God will test us to show us where we are. Come on, y'all. How many of how you know God? How many, how many of you know that if you say you got faith, it's going to be tested? Because you don't know and I don't know that my faith is genuine until it's put to the test. It's easy to talk about it. Like I told you, we do it all the time. Every Sunday, we're talking about faith. But are we really walking in it? The text says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac, the promised son. Y'all know the story, right? Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. Let's read on. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Come on. Stay here with the donkey. Abraham told his servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther. And again, this always blows my mind, the way he talks. He said, we got to start talking the way God talks. He says, we, everybody say we. We is, is we plural. Last time I checked in the, in the English language, when you say we, it's got to be more than just one. It may be just two of y'all, but it's got to be more than one. And if you, if you start talking about we, and it's just you, people start looking at you like, who's with you? Now, don't, don't try to spiritualize it. It's me and the Lord. That's why I say we. No, I'm talking about, you know how people spiritualize everything, you know? but, but, but by and large, if you say we, they're looking for somebody else to go, be going along with you. He says, we will worship there and then we will come right back. We're going to go worship. And again, when he says this, guys, understand what's happening. God had told him to go sacrifice his son on the altar. And he calls it worship. See, some of us can't worship because we hadn't died to ourselves. Some of us can't truly worship because we still won't be on the throne. God is waiting on us to offer him true worship, but we won't, we, 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 won't, we won't crucify ourselves. I said it last week, and I said it last Sunday. Galatians 2 and 20, one of my favorite scriptures I like to quote. It says, I, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. In other words, when you crucify something, I mean you kill it. How many of y'all have trouble crucifying something in your, in your life before? You halfway crucified. You can't, see, if, if, you, if you're going to crucify, it's got, crucifixion means it's put to the death. Some of y'all thought y'all had a crucified cussing that came back up, did i tell you I'm only the cussing kid, okay? Some of you thought you had crucified your addiction to sweets. Yeah, yeah. See, we people talk about adultery. They'll talk about stealing. They'll talk about smoking weed and all that stuff. But you don't want to talk about food because <laughs> sometimes we enter into gluttony. If the truth be told, see, we, we can. And my wife talks about this all the time, and and and, and I, I believe it to be true. How many of you know? We can we can get addicted to food. In other words. We don't eat to live, we live to eat. And there's a difference, right? Nothing wrong with good food. I love good food. I'm a connoisseur of fine taste. I told y'all that before. I'm a connoisseur of fine taste. <laughs> but but do you not realize that that here's how you know, here's how you know that that you may have a problem. Okay? All right. Let's say for instance, so right now. If I declare a fast, a corporate fast tomorrow, in in, in your spirit you start doing this, It start getting mad, just frown up. You ain't gave me no notice. I got lunch plans tomorrow. We'll drink some water. Your flesh will rebel. Come on now, your flesh will rebel when your when your when your wife said, "Honey." I feel the spirit of the Lord telling us we need to go on a three-day fast, and you be ready to fight. Everybody say you got a problem. Some of y'all didn't say it. Say you got a problem. <laughs> but we don't. Tell, you know, there's a lot of things that we can we can we can get indulged and, and trapped in that you know that we don't think all that much about, but it's, it has us hindered. It has us bound. Okay. So watch this. Stay with the dog. Let's move on. So you got to crucify some things. Everybody say, kill it. Stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Verse 6. Come on, let's move. He says, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Y'all know the story, right? While he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, the text says, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, that's a very, very, you know, I think a very reasonable question, wouldn't you? He says, Father? Yes, my son. We had the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? (laughs) I can imagine Abraham saying, man, you it. (laughs) But watch this, watch this, watch this. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. This this is a man speaking faith-filled words. God, he's calling those things which be not as though they already are. We got to start talking different. I don't care if you don't see it now. It ain't about what you're seeing in the natural. It's what you're seeing in the spiritual realm. You got to see yourself graduating. You got to see yourself losing 40 pounds. You got to see yourself, amen, getting that new job. You got to see yourself, amen, moving higher. You got to see yourself getting that promotion and begin to speak those things. Call them. That's what God does with us. He, he, he calls us stuff that we, ain't, we don't even, bit more even look like. Huh? He, he, he calls us stuff. He, he calls us stuff that we don't even look like. He tells us when we are, he, he says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. When, when we feel like everything we do, we don't ever win in anything. Huh? He calls us what we're not because he sees what we're going to be. We serve a God who called it those things would be not the other world. Look at this, God would provide a sheep for the burn-off, that's what, that's what Abraham did. Uh, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac. And I, I always wondered what's going on in Isaac's mind as his daddy is tying him up? I mean, what would you be doing? Come on now, if that was you, and, 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 and the wood, the wood, the fire done got hot. Lay down, son, let me tie you up. Then he tied his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked like to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham? Yes, Abraham replied, "Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy," the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me your, even your son, your only son. How many of y'all are still holding on to stuff that you hadn't turned over to God? How many of you still hold on to problems that are vexing you because you hadn't turned over to God? The Bible says cast all of your cares upon him for he cares for you. But you still, you insist on holding on to it. You're going to worry about it. You're going to pout about it. You keep holding on to it. But God has said, I'm waiting on you to cast it. What's in your life that you hadn't turned over to God? Okay? So so y'all know the story of how it was God provided the ram. But the thing I want you to understand is in in, in this third bullet point, Abraham obeyed to completion. We We got to obey all the way. Everybody say all the way. I got news for you. You can't halfway tithe. 5% is not the tithe. So stop marking on your envelope if it's not 10%. You ain't fooling, you sure are not fooling God. Now you may fool us because n- nobody goes and checks your W 2 to see how much you made and what you brought in. Uh, but that, it's, it's just an honor system. But what, what I'm telling you is you can't halfway be obedient, whether it's tithing. Whether it's loving your neighbor, some of us want to love some neighbors and not the others. <laughs> Come on now. Some folks are a little more easy to love. Can we be honest? There are some people who are a little more easy to love. You, you, you enjoy being around, but there are some you can't stand. Come on now. Can we be honest? And you got to say, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Because I not I just, you know, I just, you know, he hard to deal with. Don't y'all look at me like that. How many of y'all know some people who are hard to deal with? And it takes the love of God on the inside of you to empower you to face that individual and love them through all their silliness. Am I right about it? But guess what? That's what God wants to do. See, we can't make an excuse. What somebody else does should never be an excuse for us not doing what we know the word of God says. Even in our own homes, I don't, you know, I, I'm so tired of people telling me about what everybody else is doing. All I want to know is, okay, yeah, they may be doing their thing, but are you doing what God told you to do? Are you, are, are you walking in line with God's word for your life? Because if you wait on them before you become obedient, you may not ever be obedient. And God, guess what? When you get to the beam of Joseph Seat of Christ, He's not going to stand there and say, Well, you know, I understood, Brittany. I understood, Brittany. I understood. I understand you had to deal with with, with such and such, that person. So I'm going to excuse you for not obeying my word because I understand they were very difficult to deal with. No, 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 no. No. God's going to hold us accountable for what we know. Amen? So, so third thing, third and final point. Um, if we are going to have great faith, we've got to have an attitude of true humility. An attitude of true humility is of the utmost importance if we're going to uh, have um, great faith. An attitude of true humility is of the utmost importance. Let's go to 1 Timothy 3 right quick. Come on. 1 Timothy 3 and 10. Glory to God. 1 Timothy 3 and 10. An attitude of humility. Do you realize how many arrogant boastful people that are walking around in the church. (laughs) Jesus had a spirit of humility. Now he had power and authority in his hand, yet he walked in meekness, power and strength under control. That was Jesus. He could have called 10,000 angels and wiped the whole world out, but he chose not to because he loved us. Amen. Amen. So the text says this, watch this. First, First Timothy three, Paul writing to Timothy. He says, before they are appointed as deacons, Dioconus, which means a servant, a servant leader. He says, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected, and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well, now watch this. This is the part I want to get to. Those who do well as deacons or servant leaders, diaconess, will be rewarded. How? With respect from others. And will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. So what is he it? He says two things are promised to the servants, diakonists, those servant leaders in this passage who serve well. If you're serving well, you'll have good standing, which includes spiritual promotions. Amen. I God, God will promote you spiritually. And great faith for those who fully obey. See, we got to realize that God. A man honors us when we are obedient to his word. So, three things, let's back up and is that, is that bringing us to a close? Three, three things. Okay, we said great faith. First thing we got to understand is what? Number one, we say what? There's a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority. You cannot separate it. I didn't, I didn't even go down into the, the, the rest of what Jesus talked about here when he, when he gave the, you know, the illustration of the servants. And how it is that, that a servant doesn't eat before the, uh, the master, the one who, who's employing him. Okay? It, you know, because the servant, what, what's the servant's sole purpose for being there doing what he's doing? To serve, to put food on the table. So if, 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 his, if his job is to put food on the table for the, uh, the master, then the servant doesn't eat before the master because his responsibility is to put food on the table for what? The master. And so, 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 but, but, but that's being obedient. So sometimes we get ahead and we, we do things out of order. All right. And then expect God to bless our mess. See, when we learn how to obey and do what God's word says, then we position ourselves to walk in the fullness of God's blessing in our lives. So number one, we said, well, there's a direct connection between faith and obedience to authority. If you don't, if you won't submit to authority, your faith will not grow. Okay. All right. That's why some people don't have faith because they don't have no word time, but then they're not submitting to authority either. You just do what you want to do. And guys just do what you want to do. Doesn't, doesn't cut it with God. He took out of order. Saul obeyed 99% of what God told him, but the 1% disqualified him. Okay. So when you know something, the Bible says, to him that know it to do good and do it or not, it is what? What is it? It's sin. And and, and people will look at it, I mean, whether it's it's dealing with finances, whether it's dealing with marriage, whether it's dealing with loving your neighbor, whatever, whatever the subject matter is, when you find scripture that's rightly divided and rightly understood and you know it, but don't do it, it's sin to you. Because there are sins of omission as well as sins of commission. In other words, you can do something in sin and you cannot do something in sin. When you don't do what you know you're supposed to do, to you it's sin, okay? Number two, we said faith increases only when we complete what we're commanded to do. Abraham's faith is revered because he completed what God told him to do. Can I get a witness? He completed what God told him to do. Uh, and third, we said what? Huh? Say it again. I most important. Go to James, the second chapter, and I'm gonna let you go. James chapter two. Hurry, hurry. Got to get you out of here. Let's see this. James chapter two. Verse number 18. Start at verse 18. And then we'll work our way down. Let's start at verse 14. Start at verse 14. Text says what? What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, come on now, watch this, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless, everybody say unless, unless it produces good deeds it's dead and useless. My faith and your faith should produce something. If my faith and your faith is not producing anything, what good is it? That's what he says. It's dead and useless. Look at the next verse. Read. Now, someone may argue, (laughs) and some will, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, let's read. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Watch this. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. You know, just when people say, well, I believe in God. So what? My question is, have you accepted his son as your personal savior? Is he being the Lord of your life? Because the demons believe and tremble, they know God is real. Those demons, when Jesus faced them, say, Jesus, why are you come here to torment us before the time? Let us run to that pig over there. They knew who Jesus was. Demons know that. So somebody say I believe in God don't mean that they saved. All right, watch this. Look at the next verse, 20. How foolish. Can't you see that faith? without good deeds or works is useless. If my faith doesn't drive me to produce something that's tangible, then my faith is not really real faith. If my faith can't move me to be obedient to what God says to me about my finances, I don't really have faith. If my faith can't move me to love people who are unlovable, like the Bible tells me to, then my faith doesn't really have any 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 any, any stamina to it. It's 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 not real. It's, it's weak. It's 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 fake. It's janky. That, that's that's an old word, Leroy. Janky. <laughs> that's 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 how we used to say it in the country. Janky. Okay. Anybody know what janky means? This is, it's messed up. You know it. It ain't no good. Okay. How foolish, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? 20. Let's go down to verse 24. It says, Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Look at the next verse. It says, You see, his faith and his actions did what? They worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Your faith ain't complete if there's not a corresponding action attached to what you say you got faith in. Or what I say I have faith in. Look at it, 23 and 24, watch this, okay? And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham what? he believed, What did he do? He believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called, well, I like this. He was even called the friend of God. Man, I want to be called a friend of God. See, when when you're a friend of God, that means you walking with him. He was called the friend of God. Look Look at this, 24, let's read. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. And not by faith alone. That seems a little contradicting, but it's not. What he's saying is, is that your faith, if it's genuine, if it's true, will, will manifest itself and express itself in what you actually do, not just what you say. Amen? All right. So, great faith. Those apostles asked Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Because he said, hey, you got to forgive, folks. And they, that blew their mind. Amen. You got to forgive. They come to you seven times a day, you forgive them seven times. They said, Lord, we we, we need our faith faith increase. So guys, we can't please God with our faith. And I want everyone to ask one of us in here to walk in great faith. Because when you're walking in great faith, that means this church is going to be walking in great faith. That means that we're going to be able to do some things that are exceedingly abundant above all we can even ask you to think. I believe God has already done some things at a higher level than what we we probably would have even imagined 20 years ago. Huh? And I believe that God wants to do some greater things here in Benton, Louisiana. God God will take the foolish thing to this world to confound the wise. God will take a church in a smaller rural community and impact the world ten times greater than a church that has 10,000 members. When that church that's in that smaller rural community would trust him and put him first and not depend on money. Not depend on whatever. We depend on God. Amen? So look at the neighbor. Say, neighbor, let's walk, let's walk in great faith. Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.